Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, depending on when you've tuned in to watch this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again, Alex William Smith by birth, but better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis of magicalguru.com. And I have got a guest, no peeking, because if you look below the video, you'll already know who it is if you've not seen him before, and you'll see his web links there, as always. But the man I'm about to introduce you to, uh, I met physically in person uh, a couple of years ago when I was on holiday with my family in Salou in Spain. That's clue number one. Uh, and we went to see some of the amazing shows he puts on out there. Both for those of you who are interested in magic, mind reading and mentalism, those who are interested in just any form of entertainment and also I'll get a new set of teeth, specifically related to Hypnosis Week, the nature of this podcast, uh, also hypnosis, comedy hypnosis show as well, arguably the second longest resident comedy hypnosis show in the world. But we'll touch on that later. So please welcome to this week's Hypnosis Week, Mr. Rodney James Piper, all the way from Salou in Spain. How are you doing, bud? Cheers, Alex. How are we doing, mate? Yeah, good. Out here in the uh, sunshine of Spain, but locked in at the moment. Yeah, because to clarify, we're recording this on the 30th of March 2020. I say that in case you're watching it in years to come and thinking, what are they on about with certain things? Yeah, this mad coronavirus, COVID-19. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it? I don't really know where it came from, what happened. I don't know you hear a million different stories and truths. All I do know it is just stopped the world, literally stopped the world. And I don't know where or how life's going to continue the same afterwards. I think things are going to be very different. I think everyone's mindset's going to change slightly. I think us as entertainers, lives are going to change massively. Yeah. And we're going to have to adapt and change in a big, big way. So for me now, all my business and all performance has become second. And all I'm worrying about is family and health. After that, we worry about everything else. Yeah, um, which I, I think it well, should be the key to life anyway, ideally. Yeah. You know, um, especially because, well, you, I'll come back to that now. I'm jumping ahead because for people who don't know you, uh, I've obviously mentioned that you're a magician and that you're also a hypnotist and that you are a provider of entertainment of all sorts, an entertainment agent, show promoter and all that. But there was a time when you didn't do those things. For the viewers who don't know who you are yet, tell us a bit about your journey and how you got to where you are now. Where did it start? Well, I've done entertainment since a kid. Always been involved in entertainment and mystery entertainment since young age. I did a load of acting as a kid, loads of TV adverts. I went to the Brit School, the Performing Arts School, uh, which, you know, the Brit Awards on TV. I went there. Yeah. I was in the first intake there. So um, all the loads of big superstars, Amy Winehouse, Adele, all went there. And me. Um, <laughs> so um, then I performed the Butlins, learned a lot of my trade off some of the old acts and the old performers, um, traveled around the world performing both my mind reading and my hypnosis shows, and then um, ended up settling in Salou and started what now is RJP, which is my dream and my life, what I've created over the last 20 years. See, I know, I know quite a lot of your story, which the viewers may not already know. So I am, I'm going to try and get you to t tell them stuff that you know I know. So you might be taking it right. for granted. So yeah, you had a dream. Now that dream, the way people would see it now, is something called 
well, part of it at least, is something called the House of Illusion, which I've been to with my wife and my daughter, and it is the most amazing, atmospheric, um, beautiful visually, um, both inside and out, and as a venue, but also the shows are just, they're just, I don't want to swear too much, but the fucking world class, simple as. Much. Thank you. How did the House of Illusion come about? Yeah, that means a lot from someone like yourself, because I know you've travelled, you've seen loads and loads of shows, and just to say that, it means the world. Um, how did it come about? Well, as performers, um, and for those of you watching who are performers or maybe practising hypnotists, we've always brought to places to perform. That's what our job is. Someone books you for a wedding, someone books you for a, a party, someone books you for a theatre, and the dynamic is always there, but you're really the, the brought-in entertainment. And my dream was to create to change that dynamic and to make the dynamic that people come to see us. Cause I think as an artist, as a performer, if somebody is paying to come and see you, the dynamic is completely different, a completely different feel. So I started off in Salou with uh, just providing entertainment to one hotel. Um, it, it, we, we, we did one hotel, we then grew to a second hotel. I then started performing my hypnosis shows in a few venues, one called Chaplin's, which I'll tell you a little bit about later. Um, and my dream was to open a venue called House of Illusion. So we opened House of Illusion. I had some great magicians working for me that first year. The first year was an absolute disaster. I lost about 50,000 euros that I, I didn't have. Um, but it was my dream. I didn't want to give up. Um, so we remortgaged the house, we fought, we did everything you have to do to stay alive. And we made a few subtle changes that really just made a complete difference. Um, it's weird, but pre-Blaine, and I think it was a seismic change in mystery entertainment, magic, really, uh, illusion, mystery entertainment, came under the guise of something you'd have at a kid's party. I don't want to hypnosis front. There was McKenna, which gave it a bit of coolness. But before then, really, magic and illusion and that was really something that was a kid's party, was a clown. And we took the name magic out of any of the branding. or oh, okay. And it just changed it completely. I don't think it's the same now. I think magic's cool now. I think after um, you've got Blaine, you've got uh, Brown, you've got Dynamo, you've got all the modern acts. But at that current time, it was really... Um, it was after Daniels and before Blaine, and it was like in that space before Copperfield was there, your big American star. But probably so what year past... are we talking about roughly, just to put perspective on it for viewers. It's been open about twenty years now. Right. So you're looking about just before two thousand. I'm not sure what Blaine's first special was out. I'm not sure. I've got a quick Google on that one and have a look. But it was it was it was pre-Blaine when it all it all um, started off for us. Um, Joe might be able to tell me the time, and it it was. It was it, magic wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. We loved it, magicians, but it wasn't cool. Um, and we took magic out of all the advertising, and the change was seismic. It just changed completely. So at the end of that first season, we started getting people to come. That first theatre we opened, the House of Illusion, the original place, was a small venue. It had 35 seats. Bloody we yeah. built with benches, um, a little staircase you went down to go into and a small show. What we pulled off in that stage for 35 people was incredible with the, the illusions of the tricks we had set up in there. I don't know how we did it backstage. It was the biggest illusion of the lot if you ever watched the show from behind. Um, and as again, it was a disaster. And then right at the last couple of weeks of the season, 
we changed the advertising and we started to sell. Boom, boom, boom. Second year, we started doing two shows a night. We yeah. then started selling out both of them two shows. Then a few years later, we moved to a venue that was slightly bigger. Um, that venue had about 80 seats. We started selling that out, two shows a night, every single night, sold out completely. Then we moved to our current venue, which has got capacity for about a thousand people, but not seated in the theatre. We can hold about 250 seated in the theatre, and we now sell that out more or less every show throughout the summer, um, other than 2020, which is a different scenario. Yeah. Um, um, but we have two shows a night, a half past six show and a 10 o'clock show. We sell them out. The current House of Illusion was an old cabaret club um, that Julio Glazias used to be the resident singer for. It then got turned into a nightclub, a rave club, and I actually got it because I found out um, some of the nightclub owners who had it at the time were not getting on, were falling out. So I went in and gave them a really a good reason to finish it and split so I could get to take it over and convert it into what it is now. Excellent. Which for those people who have not been, seriously, if you are wondering when this madness is over, where to go on holiday, uh, well, I can confidently predict holidays to Spain will be cheap because they'll want to attract back people who, who, you know, when it's all died down, they want to attract people back. So Spain, and in particular, get yourself to Saloon because there's not just the House of Illusion where you can go and see the most amazing magic stroke variety show because there are aerial acts, there's there's all manner of stuff. I've got a cast of 100 who work for me across my different products and brands. Bloody hell. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because you've also you have the Salou Big Show go on um, yeah. once a week, which is like recreating the musicals and it's bloody fantastic. And then we are going to jump to Chaplin's. You've got a, a, a cabaret bar, basically, a cabaret show bar. So I didn't own Chaplin's. Chaplin's used to be in, like a bit of a bar and nightclub, um, not really a cabaret show bar. Um, and I used to perform there. I used to do my hypnosis show there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first got to Salute, um, I used to perform there once a week. Um, and I, I'll, I'll tell you, I was trained to be a hypnotist in a funny way, which I'll tell you. Yeah, please do. I was going to ask you that. It's, it's, it's a good story, but I'll leave that one in. So I took Chaplin's. Uh, I used to perform there once a week, twice a week. It was always the busiest night. Um, then uh, I ended up buying it and turning it into what it is now, a cabaret cocktail club, what it is. And I still do perform my hypnosis shows. Not all the time, but I still do one show a week in the summer season um, from May to October. Um, I've trained up quite a lot of other hypnotists who have off performing around the world who originally worked for me at Chaplin's. So it's a good place. It's, it's mental how, um, how much you managed to get, I don't mean particularly your hypnosis show, but where the other acts and shows you have on there, because there's like seven, eight acts a night, different every night of the week. And some of them are multiple performers. And that stage isn't the biggest of stages, but bloody hellfire, the things you have going on. Yeah, but you know what I think is the important thing? A lot of, One thing you mentioned at the start, and some people say, I say, oh, you're like an agent. We don't bring in any ready-made shows. I don't enjoy it. I don't find any enjoyment for it. I do the job because I love it. And part of the big part of that love is creating the shows. So we find talent we find artists and we build shows around them. So every show we put on our stage is produced for us, by us, for our stages. We have in the summer about 20 different shows on across Salou in different places every single night. 
So we have our hotels. We provide entertainment for three hotels. We have campsites provided, as well as the seven shows at Chaplin's, two shows at House of Illusion. And we've actually just redone House of Illusion. So the smaller bar you would have known as the Houdini Lounge has all just been refurbished. Oh. Was going to have shows on there, seven shows a night. We've soundproofed it in between them and the theatre. And we were going to have daytime shows from midday right the way through till midnight. We've took all the windows out. So there's an outside terrace and stage for that as well. So that was the big plan that's all done and ready to go when we finally get some people back. Bloody hell, I need to see that, you see. Now, well, at least the, the little, flights have been cheap when this madness is over. Yeah, little teaser for you. So, Chaplin, let's go back to that. So where you started out there with the hypnosis show. So yeah. Is it particularly that venue you refer to when in relation to the second longest yeah. hypnosis show? Yeah. Residency? Yeah, I've been doing, so I got, it probably would be now, I got to Spain, I was 20, I'd say about 24 years non-stop of doing that show. Um, someone said to me, Ken Webber's been on longer at the Blackpool. Ken Webster's done 31 years at Blackpool Pleasure Beach for the Horror Show. Yeah, I don't think anyone else did longer, but I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Um, yeah, it's a debatable one, that. No individual performer. So Ken Webster with 31 years at Blackpool Pleasure Beach, Horror Show is the winner. Second place is you with 24 years at Chaplin's. Um, and then th- I would say third place, but they may argue second or even first place, but it isn't one performer. That's the thing. There was a show brand called Hypnosis Unleashed, which Terry Stokes right. in America, Vegas set up, but he didn't do all the shows. Some of the shows Michael Johns did. Right. And in more recent years, he sold the name to Kevin Lapine. So it's a, you could say it's the longest running show, but I wouldn't with, say that's the longest running performer with a residency, couldn't you? Yeah, well, it, it, it's the long, yeah, because as a solo hypnotist, it's Ken, then you, as yeah. far as I can decipher. Yeah, does that mean we're good or terrible and we can't get work anywhere else and we're stuck in one place? <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, I think judging by the fact, certainly we can get him booked back at the same venue. He doesn't own the venue. Yeah, uh, I think mean, it means he, he's pretty damn good. And um, to be honest, the fact that you're packed to the rafters every night, um, yeah, yeah, you're good, but you have got one of the easiest. I've got to plain devil's advocate. I've got to, I've got to say this: what an easy bloody venue to do a hypnosis showing. But that doesn't come from it being an easy venue. That becomes from designing a venue. When people look at House of Illusion, they say, what a great venue to perform magic in. What a great venue. And when they go to Chapman, they say, oh, what a great venue. And you go, no, it's not a great venue by default. It's a great venue because there is a science in creating the right venue. Yeah. In the music you play before, in the lighting, in the screens, in the atmosphere, how you build a crowd to that moment. I always, I see a massive, massive errors. Like, I, I think you could be the best performer in the world and i I had a terrible experience once. I was doing a, a corporate event um, and I got there and I thought, this is lovely. The staging was nice. The lighting was set. They, I was on after the speeches. So mm-hmm. they'd had dinner, wine on. After the dinner, they'd not put any more drinks on the table while the speeches was on because they didn't want them all getting drunk while the CEO was doing his chat. Um, CEO finished, um, built it quite high, peaked it probably too much before bringing the show on rather than building up to the show. And as the show went, he went, uh, we've got a hypnotist coming on for you now, but just to let you know as well, the bar's open. If you go down the corridor oh. on the left, you can get literally no one in the room. Please welcome live on stage, Mr. Roger James Piper. Zero people. Zero people. Yeah, Zero. idiots. Yeah, but, but they're not idiots. They don't realise. They're not. They're, that's why 
we do our business. That's why we're good at what we do, because it's a science. It's mm. a science. As you know, the hypnosis show, you need to be able to say, this guy is powerful. This guy's a hypnotist. This guy's got special powers. He's coming on. We're going to build you this up. This is a real superstar. I know. I get out of a taxi in front of Chaplin. Is it your brother? Or is it your brother-in-law? It's my brother. Yes, yeah, my brother. It's your brother. Well, I tell you, I mean, basically, I said this um, when I was over there to my wife, Rachel. And I said, and this was on a night before I'd seen your show. And I said, if he does, this guy on the DJ stand does what he's doing now before Rodney's hypno show, the audience will already be hypnotised before Rodney even steps foot on stage. And lo and behold, he did. And he'd done your job for you, practically. That's that's it. The show starts before the person walks on stage. Now, the the audience wouldn't know that, but I was thinking, this is genius. That's the science. That's the big mistake that a lot of venues... When I walk into a venue, yeah, and again, my team, my brother, I've got Lacey, I've got Joe, I've got a good team of people who are vital to everything working. And sometimes they're in the background, they're not the ones at the front. But I know when I walk into Chaplin's, I will not walk in until there's a certain song playing because I want to walk through that crowd with dynamic, with power, with everyone going, oh, he's here, here he goes. I will be a couple of minutes late turning up and I want to walk in there and be the big star. I'm not a big star, I know I'm not. But for that moment, if I'm going to walk on that stage and that build-up's going to be right, I've got to walk on there like you say. When I click my fingers, they're going to do exactly as I say. When I touch them on the forehead and I tell them to sleep and they're going to drop to the floor, they're going to drop the floor because this guy ain't walking in with a massive song built up I'm not walking on like a boxer or a wrestler because they're not introducing me until I walk on the stage. But the same dynamic is still there. You're coming in. You're giving them that moment. You walk in. You get it done. I say for the House of Illusion, exactly the same. The moment people arrive from the bottom of that stairs or even they interact with us when they purchase a ticket, that is when it starts. That's when the show starts. Too many performers, too many artists worry about what they do for them 40 minutes, that hour, that hour and a half. It's all wrong. The show starts from the start, not from the moment you walk on stage. It's so the music, the lights, the atmosphere, the way you walk in, the way you are. I mean, you look at some magicians, some magicians just charge a lot of money, not because they're a better magician, because they work it. They know how to work it from the start to, to the end. I know some great magicians who perform amazing tricks, but they don't know how to work it. I know some great hypnotists who can get on there and have got amazing technique um, amazing stagecraft but unless it's done before i don't want my audience to spend 25 minutes of me getting them in the mood that should happen before the worst is and can i do it yes i'll go into venues and i've had terrible venues and you have to go in and work to get get the room correct but you want a venue a real venue that you can walk on stage and your time on stage is about giving them people the best experience ever and the way that works is by having a team who are with you or you preparing exactly what you've got. The science of the venue, the science of the pre-show. It's vital, 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 vital. So do you still do any shows in venues that aren't yours where you don't have that control? Because it'd be a million times harder. Because from what I've observed, you've got, you have got Satan set to perfection in all those venues. Yeah. You know. So, um, yes, I do. Do I do loads? No. Um, I do mainly things now that are interesting. Um, so there, if there's a, a, a project or a job that someone contacts me and says, oh, Rodney, I've got this. Can you come and do this? 
and it's something really cool. Oh, I want to make uh, a boat appear in my garden. Oh, Rodney, we want to do a, a business meeting and we've got this guy who's scared of this and we want to do it in front of like, oh, that's a cool challenge. I'm well up for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I want to go and do a normal hypnosis show? Not normally. Um, things might change after summer 2020. And <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm in the lucky or the not maybe lucky is the wrong word. Maybe I'm in the position now that I can choose the things that interest me to do rather than having to do things to, to just do them. So but I, I do think it works the same. I, I do think you can um, create in any venue the right science to make it go right. What it does mean is you can't turn up there half an hour before. You might have to turn up in the morning, look at the positions of the chairs, the staging. Look at the best light you can get. Get the music. Speak to the people. All of that. I, I, I People say to me, oh, it's a terrible venue or it's a terrible audience tonight. No, it's not. It's your fault as a performer. It was my fault as a performer. That whole audience walked out. Yeah, what? I'm not going to mention names. Uh, for Because well, I'm not. Simple as. I'm not gonna say, but I promise you what I'm saying is true. Yeah. If you want to know names, I'll tell you when we're not recording. We're not on air. Sure, But I know, and I, I, this also is something I observe, I know that now and again in the past you've had to have people stand in for you or you've taught them what to do. And because the venue is so perfectly set up, and it, 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 it's so perfectly set up, short of short of chaplains having a higher raised stage that was a bit wider with tabs, it's as perfect as you can get in every other regard. Um so it couldn't be an easier venue, frankly, and this is no offence to you uh, or anyone because you've got all the working, but a trained chimpanzee could do a flipping hypnosis show in Chaplin's. Um, it, it's I, all perfectly set up. I disagree with you on that. And I'll tell you why I'm going to disagree with you on that. Go on. Um, because I've seen people try and do it and fail. Well, I can't see how they could fail. Because? It, as long what? as everything was done the same beforehand as it is before you're... No. So what's the most important thing about being a hypnotist? A stage common hypnotist. Looking like you've done it a million times before. Right. So stagecraft, stage confidence, being able to move, talk and speak on a stage clearly and confidently. Do not having to worry about your microphone technique. Do not need to worry about that you sound right or you um, move right and you stand with confidence. I believe a trained chimpanzee, no, but I believe I could probably take any well-rounded presenter, entertainer and get them to perform a hypnosis show. Oh, in, in Chaplin's piece of piss, yeah. That, that, that's my that's my point. But the problem is, if that's the only venue they ever worked, and then they were to say come back to England, let's say, and get booked into uh, lower Ramsbottom Miners Club, yeah, um, they'd have a damn good chance of dying on their ass because they'd think it was going to be as easy as it is in a venue that's so wonderfully set up as... So all of my entertainers who I've trained to be hypnotists would go out and do the hotel shows for me and would do hypnosis and hotel shows, which is a very different scenario. You are looking at big outdoor venues, 
big spaces between the stage and the chairs. Of course, we try to engineer them to be as um, good as possible, but they're not my venues. I, we they're, the right still, they're still on holiday in Spain, aren't they? But you know, my best shows, my best shows have not been um, at Chaplin's. The best shows I've ever had are when I've done stuff in Cancun for American audiences. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think they're the easiest audiences. They just literally love everything. What, Americans? Americans. They, they're the yeah, well, easiest audience to hypnotise in the world. I'm going to get nasty emails, but hypnotherapists perhaps can be exempted from this and stage hypnotists, but pretty much Americans are walking around hypnotised. <laughs> no, but they want to be Yes, sir. They'll obey anything. They want to be stars. They want to be big characters. Some of my shows I did in Cancun, um, in Mexico, were some of my best shows I've ever done. And literally the audience reaction, the people on stage responses were so good. And what the difference was, you wasn't having to stage manage the audience by looking at someone's not going to fall and hurt themselves, being um, a, a guy who's had a bit too much drink that you can't get on stage and you have to get off. All of them items are not there. The American audience are not that at all. And I've done your, your Fat Tuesdays, your five-star hotels in Cancun, and they, they were just a breeze. Such an easy audience. So good. And, I mean, Chaplin's, I, I've not had bad shows, but I've had difficult shows. You're going to get a big stag group in or you get a big traveller family in that take over the show and all come on at once. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to get their moments. Now, only from experience... You know how to deal with them. Have I had bad shows? Yes. Have I ever had a show that I can't get through and give the audience a good time? No. But I've had bad shows. I, I could list some shows that have been absolutely hard work. And I come off afterwards just literally going, oh, my God, sweating and tired. Because, well, we, we all know anyone who performs knows. And if I said, oh, every show I do is great, um, I'll be lying. Well, exactly. I have performed in your working man's clubs in your hotels, around the world, different places, um, in a B&B even. But the reason the venues are like they are is because I finally tune them. And anywhere I will go and work, anywhere I will go and perform, I will make that venue the best it can be. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about hypnosis and all the great training you've done and the other guys who do training videos, everyone talks about the show. It's about the bit before, the, about the music, the tracks you played before to get the crowd in the, the, the right mood, to build the atmosphere, to get. And you might only have one light that's a spotlight, but, but just getting the audience clapping a little bit before by walking in and catching a few people's eyes so they like you, by all the little bits and bobs that are important. They're the bits that are important. It might look easy and everyone might go, Chapman's is a fantastic venue. I will create that same vibe anywhere I go and perform. That's my promise. Assuming that they've actually got bloody lighting and such like, of course. Everywhere's got white lights, haven't they? I'll tell you a good story. I was on in Cancun with Wayne Goodman, a um, great magician friend of mine. Uh, we went out there and there was a, uh, a, a hurricane and literally took out the whole lights for this place. Okay. Yeah. And Wayne was doing a, a comedy magic show about to perform it and the hotel well, we're gonna to have to cancel there's no lights so we went no no we don't we're engineering it so we got into the small bar area we whacked out candles across the bars we got a load of the light the barman to all have torches we lit up a stage and i'll tell you what we created an intimate great show and he did an absolute dream job it was just perfect 
and the wind was going, the world battling, and the, the, everything was going. But because you create the room, the space you have is your space to create. It's lucky if it's you own the space, you can do what you want. But any space you've got, you can take it. We had the House of Illusion closed, not the first one, the second one, for a licensing problem for two nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We moved to a hotel suite. We created a House of Illusion in about eight hours. The audience came and left and didn't even know it wasn't the House of Illusion. Just by setting the room, creating the room, pictures, lights, the way we welcomed, the way we people left, and we made it fine. And it, it was, it was, um, it worked. Was it as good as House of Illusion? Of course it wasn't. But you, you're in charge of the science of your own space. And I think it's the forgotten, a lot of people, even in Vegas, they walk into the room and that's the room they're performing. They talk to the light guy, I need, I need a wash at the start, I need light blues during the induction, I need this and that. Okay, that's it. Think about it a little bit more. Make that venue special, make it unique, make it yours. I think it's a big missed, missed um, thought. So I've got a note here, I have to remind you. You said um, there was an interesting story about how you trained. So, uh, <laughs> here's my belief that I said at the start that I think any strong presenter, entertainer, compare can be a hypnotist. So I didn't do loads of hypnosis. Um, I did some hypnosis type routines in my mentalism stuff, but I didn't do a comedy hypnosis show. Mm-hmm. Mike Rose, um, who you might know, a good friend of mine, um, he actually invented the Grail trick with Peter and oh, I. Yeah, yeah. Um, good friend of mine came over and worked with me at the House of Illusion, and he did some hypnosis. And he used to do the comedy hypnosis show for, for me the first year. We were driving down to Lorette de Mar, um, and he lost his voice. Literally couldn't speak. Okay. Um, and I had booked the hypnosis show for a hotel, six, seven hundred people in Lorette de Mar. Um, we couldn't cancel it because it was half an hour before the show, and he literally couldn't do it. So I literally went on and did the show that night and did an hour and 20 minute hypnosis show that night. I think the big step with any hypnotist or hypnosis show is show one. Mm-hmm. Once you put show one out of the way, you can do a hypnosis show. Is it good? I'll probably look back at that show and think it was terrible now because I think my timing would have been awful. I think my routines would have been not as fresh and exciting. But I did a good show. No one knew that I wasn't been doing it for years and years and years. And I tell you what, it worked. It worked perfectly. I'd always done hypnosis in my mind reading stuff. So I knew time and I knew rhythm. But had I done a big, long comedy hypnosis show? No. But we did that. And that was my first proper full comedy hypnosis show. And it worked and went down a storm. And Mike's was the start of that. What, what excuse did you give them for not looking like the hypnotist on the poster? Um, so we, I don't think we had a picture of Mike on the poster. Oh, right. OK. But I was quite lucky that. I hope this doesn't sound big headed or in a big way. I always have the RGP logo on everything we do. Uh-huh. Um, if people think I'm coming to perform in any way or form at all, they absolutely love it. Not that I'm saying I'm a better performer, but it's a little bit like buy in. Well, you built up a brand, so of course there's a there's a prestige with it immediately. I had a Burberry shirt and realised it's made by Burberry. No one's going to complain about that, even if you wanted the one that was slightly different, that was a different design. So it's yeah, it's it's um yeah, it's a brand. You build a brand, you work your brand, and that was what it did. And yeah, I've done hypnosis shows. 
I, I, I mean, I say that I did little spots of hypnosis type stuff when I was at Butlins, but it was more not a four hour and 20 minute comedy show. Mm-hmm. Now, I you, oh, sorry, go on. I tell you one thing I always think about when you say about building a brand, me and you are probably more yin and yang than anyone. My brand is, in my show, I'm a little bit naughty, but mm. my brand is keeping a clean, strong, professional image. I want people to like me, yeah? Where you on the opposite side are the bad boy. Yeah, sadly got stuck in that role in the early 90s. It wasn't by choice, sadly, but, you know, paid the bills, and that's the way things went. Yeah, have you stuck with it, or was it intentional to stuck with it, or is it just you are that? Staying in business. The truth is, in 1990, at the end of 1993, yeah, November 93 to be precise, uh, I was 17 at the time. Yeah, no, I wasn't. By then, I'd had my birthday, wasn't I? So I was 18 at the time, yeah. but I've been doing hypno shows since I was 15. Okay. And about my age, I mean, the thing was born on the surface, I was performing all the time. And a woman died five hours after a stage hypnosis show in England. Uh, it had nothing to do with the hypnosis show, but the British media yeah. decided to jump on it. And the Sharon Taban, the lady who passed away, her mother, Margaret Harper, set up a thing called the Campaign Against Stage Hypnotists. Now, up to that point, I'd done other than one TV appearance in January 93, where I did do mucky routines on, on the yeah. word. I'd, most of my shows were family. Right. But then the Sun newspaper contacted me, and he's dead now. A journalist called Christopher Blythe came. I knew he was coming to see the show. But he said, oh, we want to do, you're going to, you know, it was all this bollocks. We're going to yeah. make you a big star. Uh, there yeah. was no mention of the campaign against age hypnotists. This hadn't been launched then, but the Sun knew that was getting launched in the January. I, so they encouraged me to do certain routines at the show, and I did stuff that if you saw it live, to be honest, was middle of the road. It was double meaning. Kids could have been in there. They wouldn't have known it had an adult factor to it. Yeah. But yeah. when written up, it sounds bad. Yeah, 100%. Which they did in the January at the same time as the campaign against age hypnotists launch which they knew and were behind. Yeah. So everyone's getting slagged off, and then all the TV shows were trying to ban stage hypnosis, doing all these debates. I got pulled on because the sun made out, I hypnotised women into bed to shag them, which wasn't true. I did a routine on stage to make the woman fall in love with me and all this, but they yeah. wrote it all. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and suddenly everyone's getting the gigs cancelled because there's this campaign against stage hypnotist. And the, my agent at the time said to me, look, no one's booking hypnotists for family shows. They're deeming it dangerous. So you've nothing to lose. Actually be the mucky hypnotist that the sun's just made you out to be. Yeah. And I'll be able to get your bookings at bikers, venues, here, there and everywhere. And he did. Yeah. And yeah. the trouble is after several years of that, and then that died down. So people started getting work again in England. I yeah. had never stopped. It's just that I'd now become known as the bad boy of hypnosis. Yeah. And did you did you ever think about restarting that, or do you like it? Um, 
I sort of did briefly by ditching the stage name that I used at the time, because back then I was known as Alex Leroy. So I ditched it. And I think this was about, I've, I've lost track, actually. I think it was about the year 2000. Killed yeah. off Alex Leroy, became Jonathan Royal. Uh, but the trouble is, certain bookers and venues recognise me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they were all wanting, they, they wanted the mucky show. The irony of it is that there, yeah. wasn't, there was only three routines, that, well, maybe four, that I ever did that you would never dream of doing. Yeah. Um, the rest of it, well, my materials changed, really. I, in my younger years, I was probably more mucky with the late night shows. But I think when you've got my kids, what I do with House of Illusion, mm. I have to be very careful now, I think, of the image that I say. I don't want, I can't be known as the mucky hypnotist. Yeah? Even oh, you're when, you're in the House of Illusion show as the clean yeah. magician as well. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, all my mates call it the sexy hypno. And I used to probably be a little bit more, I wouldn't say mucky. I've never sworn on stage. But I've been a little bit sexual with some of my routines. But I always think of you have to be aware of who you are and what you're doing and what your audience perceive you are. I also think as you get older, you have to be aware of what routines you do. You can still be a little bit naughty, but you have to be careful of the routines you say and what you do. And I, I'm really focused of what, who I am. Um, and I think my stage persona is me, but a little bit amplified, just a little bit turned up in volume. So... I'm a family guy who has a laugh and has a joke and can have a maybe be a bit saucy once I've had a few beers with the boys, but I'm not going to f and blind in your face. And I think that's that's me and that's it. If you see me on stage at the House of Illusion, you're not going to hear me swear, but I might have a little innuendo in there every now and then that the audience will know. And if you sit down with me after the show and I'm having a drink with you, my, I might swear once or something like that if it ever happened. But that's me being real and not being um fake i think my stage performance is who i am but i, I always look at me and you because i look at yourself you're boom in your face boom bad boy and i'm the opposite in two different ways really and we both do what we do successfully but in a very different way and it's, it's interesting isn't it, when we look at it really when you go back over the last 25 years well it proves one thing for definite there doesn't have to be one set way of doing things. It can still work in different ways, which a lot of people who do hypnosis shows, I don't think, realise, which is why so many are carbon copies of each other. Yeah. Well, they, they are, aren't they? The hypnosis world is, is a very, very similar thing. Hopefully, I'll try to do some original stuff in my show. It's difficult not to put some of the classics in. Um, it's, do you know what? A hypnosis show is a little bit like, and I talk about that with the magic show as well, the, the House of Illusion. People do like to see some of the great hits. Mm. But like when you go, you've got to have your own style and your own performance. But when you go and see a hypnosis show, people who've never been seen one before have heard some of the stuff in it. And they go, oh, you've got to go and see this because this might happen. Or we see one of these, this one, and he did that. And they want to see. You go and see an Elvis performer. If he, all, if he only sung all of the B songs, you wouldn't be happy, would you? No. You want to hear Suspicious Minds. You want to hear it. And if you go and see it and you didn't see it, you'd be disappointed. So I always think you have to have a couple of the, the the famous hits in there, but with your own style, with your own stamp, and making it your own personality and presentation. Cool. Um, what do you th- what do? You, well, no, I'm not going to say what do you see the future of 
stage hypnosis has been. I think the bigger question is, 10 years from now, the way that reality television has become, yeah, more and more degrading. Our job, haven't they, the reality TV shows? Hypnosis with a camera is what it is, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah. Um, but and also, well, there's two elements here. There's the reality TV shows getting more and more degrading and ridiculous, and then there's the hypnosis shows that have been on TV have been frankly absolute shite in the past yeah. ten years for sure. Especially but, that you're back in the room. Yeah, I don't think anyone's found the right format yet. Mm. Since McKenna. Yeah, who found the right format for his time. Yeah, no one has found the right format to present hypnosis that works for the audience in the year 2020. They've not found it. I, the same as magic took a long while to find the right format. Just right. a historical reference, uh, that format, Paul McKenna's known for it, from yeah. the hypnotic world of Paul McKenna, but it wasn't his format. Um, the pilot show was made by Andrew Newton, uh, broadcast by LWT, and then it was commissioned as a full series. And unfortunately, they lost their franchise. They sold it to another company. The company that bought it, uh, one of the shareholders or people involved heavily, was Harvey Goldsmith, who was McKenna's manager at the time when he was doing Sunday night shows at the Dominion. And so they sacked uh andrew newton and uh gave the full series to paul mckenna that's how it came about and andrew successfully took court action against paul that was settled out of court between them both and check that on google the press articles there for stealing his um routine and structure and everything yeah i didn't know that that's that's an interesting story i think paul i mean i don't know paul mckenna i've met him before but i think he also had a, a good profile um, where we did the radio shows and the stuff as well, didn't we? And I, I do think you instantly go in. Um, a lot of the hypnotists who they put on TV have had no profile. And I think if they give them a bit of profile, it helps with the publicity, doesn't it? It helps them start it off to start. Just to play devil's advocate, because on the one hand, we said all the, t- all the hypnosis on TV has been shite. But I'm saying that in the context of comedy stage hypnosis shows. Let's explore Darren Brown for a minute. Because... Darren uses a hell of a lot more hypnosis than most magicians actually realise. Yeah. I know Objective Productions, well, as it was that we're making his shows, he's got his own company now, but I mean, they bought every DVD I've ever produced and they've actually used items from it, word for word, action for action in their TV shows. It's not as though you advertise them much, though, is it? Pardon? (laughs) It's not as though you advertise them much, the DVDs. Uh, well, no, exactly. But the fact is, they have bought them and they've used stuff word for word. And I know firsthand from having worked with Objective that they use far more hypnosis than is portrayed. You know, the stuff that's portrayed as low as hypnosis or mind control that isn't. We know as magicians it's magic tricks. But the other way, magicians don't realise how much actual hypnosis is being used in that show before they start filming. So maybe I made a mistake then, Sam. No one's found the right format because I think Darren's format was the right yeah. format. Um, was a fantastic format. But what what was I speaking about before, which I think is really relevant? What has Darren got? Darren's a great presenter, entertainer, yeah. performer. He does all of that. He's great. On top of that, he's got a great team behind him. He's always surrounded himself with the right people, giving him the right help, 
the right build up, the right thoughts, everything. When I was saying about, oh, Chaplin's always such a great venue. Hold on. It's not a great venue. It's because the team I've got, the people I've built around it, et cetera, et cetera. And Darren, in a completely different way, has got a similar feel. He's got um, that build around him of everything done. <clears throat> Being a great entertainer um, and having a good team behind him. I also think the material was on spot for his audience. Channel 4, the original series, later at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, it was on spot. Now, once you become famous, it's an easier sell. But his original building of his brand and his building of his market was all done with that fringe who he knew who the audience were, what the show was going to be, and that was aimed at them. The student type vibe, the cool crowd. That's it. I know who my audience is. I know my audience is in are British and Irish, 80% holidaymakers. That's my main audience. My shows, my performance has to be targeted for that audience. Has to be. Do you think, and I'm, I'm going to kind of guess that your answer to that, to this will be yes. So actually I'm looking for a more detailed answer than yes or no. In two minutes time, you're going to have a lot of clapping going outside. Because right. always clap. I know you're doing it in the UK now. All right, yeah. So I will clap just for a minute or two. Everyone else is out the family <laughs> outside the balcony, but I will give a little clap for In the greatest of respect to the NHS, but this is a mass bloody public brainwashing social engineering exercise. I'm not saying there isn't a virus, there is, but the things that are going on, it's flipping social engineering at its bloody best. Yeah, I mean, I, my mindset with the whole thing is, is there more to it than we understand? Most probably. Is there people taking advantage of it? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But the top and bottom of it, there are people getting ill. Fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People dying. Fact. There's people um, losing their businesses, losing their homes because of it. Fact. Yeah. There's also yeah. people like the NHS or people over here in Spain, the, the, the health service here, who are out there putting their lives at risk because of it. Now, could we say it's... A million different conspiracy theories that some of them might be true some of them might be not true at all some of them might be it might be a whole case of mass hypnosis who knows um but it is what it is we're in that stage at the moment all we've got to do is get through it and be supportive and if clapping on a balcony or clapping the nhs is good for them and gives everyone else a little bit of community spirit at this current time then i think it's a great thing to do i'm right up for it anything like that at all we probably need some positive hypnosis on the TV show. There's a good format now. A positive hypnosis show now on TV. It's the right moment for it. Well, it would be uh, if, if we could get in the studio to make it. The more and more presenters being sent home on but the British show. Again, TV and broadcasting changed. I did a Chaplin's closed opening party. Mm. YouTube. You can hear the clapping. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I am inside. I'm not going to go outside with the camera and the thing, but we'll give it a little clap now. We'll be going live tomorrow on the 31st, but we were doing this the night before yeah. for the NHS. Good. Um, uh, I had 32,000 people watch wow. the Chaplin's open. Now, I know some of them would have been just flicked past in a few seconds. I think it's about a fourth, they reckon, of people who actually... We were getting 600 people, 350, 600 on Facebook, about 1,000 viewers on YouTube. And we did Chaplin's um, closed opening party. So we were supposed to open Chaplin's for the summer on the 27th. We couldn't. So we linked up with all the people around 
um, all my performers. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's on the, I'll send you a link over for it. It's on the IGP Entertainment YouTube channel or on the House uh, Chaplain's Facebook yeah, page. Send me the link and I'll put it below this video when it goes out tomorrow so people yeah, can see. There's no magic. There's no mind reading with it at all um, on that one. We did do a House Illusion one. But I think broadcasting is changing. And I do think there is an opportunity that, like you're saying, even now, yeah, the everyone's performing. I watch Sky News. Here's a little tip. Watch Sky News. It's terrible at the moment because they've got no they've got no um, um, content. Mm. There's no sport. So they're more or less connecting to people's houses with videos and mobile phones and footage. That's what they're showing because they've got no sport to talk about, nothing to do. And I do think it's a time maybe now where the TV companies yeah, aren't the ones who are going to be in control of what's put out there. I think now with your YouTube, now with your internet, now with your streaming, your casting – my kids don't watch much TV. They watch mostly their iPads on YouTube. And I do think there's a chance for the first time in history, maybe for us as the artists, to start creating content that could become popular. And to say, oh, okay, there's a form. Now, is it going to be difficult to build a brand? Of course it is. It's never easy. But if you've got an established brand, like McKenna did with his radio shows or his Dominion shows, you can build on that with your performance. Like I did the other day with the Chapman show. I didn't expect getting that amount of people. I think we had 3,000 comments on it, 300 shares in a night, which is, for me, was a big surprise. And I do think there is an opportunity now, maybe for a hypnosis show, that can go out. I'm not about YouTube clips at two minutes. I'm on about a performance piece that can happen. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think people can do it. Obviously, we've got to write the right material. But it's cheap. You know, I've, I mean, today, I know I'm on Skype with you. I've connected my little camera up, and I put one of these little... Um, Lighty things. All right, yeah. Sure. I, I did look a minute ago and I thought it does make me look a little bit like a, a boy band or something now with the white behind <laughs> and stuff like that. So I'm not, but I think by making that little effort with it and that we can start to create content that something can break through. Now, I know you've got to throw a lot of shit for some of it to stick, but I do think if that content's going out there in various different qualities, some of it will hit. And there's, look at these YouTube stars. There's loads of them. Is mm. there a this one yet? Nope. Not at all. Dynamo really came from that, didn't he, on a magic basis? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a hypnosis YouTube star? No. Is there loads of people that are doing little five-minute videos and two-minute videos? Yeah, there's a few of them. I haven't seen loads of great ones. I think they're all doing, going up to people in sleep and saying sleep and then getting them to wake up and do something silly. I think the format could be better than that. And I think a feel-good format is probably something the world's waiting for at the moment mm, watch this space that does sound uh, uh, interesting well, I've got it. i was gonna rob it now everyone's gonna be pitching that idea well good luck because it'll be a case of who does it best won't it i just want to say I've, I've got it marked in here now so i don't want to be like that newton guy the idea was mine <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, someone goes and does it and makes success of it I'll be proud of that. I quite enjoy that, watching people go and do stuff that I've been part of, or even if it's just a little push or a little nudge, I'm quite happy with, with things like that. We've had loads of magicians and performers who've been part of what we do, and I, I, I'm now quite proud, looking back. In my younger years, I might have thought differently, but I'm now quite proud of people going off and achieving little things that hopefully I have some type of impact in. Oh, well, you, you, you definitely – what it traces back to – I've spoken to loads of people who, who you know – work for you with you over the years out there and one key thing is it doesn't matter particularly what they were doing it's 
the whole, it goes back to what you said before at the beginning about observing by being part of a full, I'm going to use the word production for people at home and not involved in show business. I mean that in the context that Rodney was saying yeah. before, a full production is not just doing their bit. They're seeing the whole package yeah. that you were talking about. It's, it's, it's a team of putting it together. The big, the big mistake any performer makes is it's not about what you do on stage. That's the easy bit. You've got to study that and you've got to work at it and you've got to put time and effort into it. But for me, that's the easiest bit. It's all the stuff around it, the before, the afterwards in building what you do. And that, I think, is the biggest lesson that anyone can learn in show business. Um, don't think getting up and singing 12 songs, you're going to be a superstar cabaret artist. Don't think about learning a good top change and uh, a TT and silk is going to make you... Uh, uh, a great magician um, think about everything from start to finish of what your brand is who you are and what you want to put across yeah what you what what you what you want to be um, humility um, having a good appearance making the effort and even that like I put the light in today just a light yeah I could have done it off my web camera I think it makes a little bit of a difference. I think it makes an effort and I think it makes it. I did try to get the mic working as well, but I don't know why, but the driver wouldn't work. So the mic's not on either. It didn't work that, but it sounds okay. You sound good. Well, I've got a couple of other notes here that I want to rally through because we've only got sort of 10, 15 minutes left um, before I've got to get ready for the next one. Um, one thing I observed when I saw you do your show and I thought, that is fucking genius. Okay. Oh. And that's the comedy hypnosis show, to clarify, in Chaplin's. It was one sentence. One yeah. sentence. And I can't remember the exact words, but it was along the lines of this. And then you can remind me, but I, I think it'd still work with this word. In my life. No, I'll rephrase that. I know it does because I've been using it since. Yeah, you did say to me, do you mind? And I said, yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Yeah. Go and it's that sentence along the lines of... The staring at the light, the whatever, you part way through it, you, yes. you've pretty much done the induction. You say to them, you know, for the rest of the show, whenever I say sleep, you'll be back asleep. Close your eyes. When you wake up, you'll do whatever I tell you. But some of you may find now, oh, no, it's just before that part, the induction, before the post-hypnotic, yes. as the staring at the light, you say to them, you may start to wonder for a split second whether or not you're becoming hypnotised or not. Yes. And it's in that moment, that second, where you doubt yourself that often is the moment where you're most likely to become hypnotized, so don't stop yourself. And I thought, that's bloody genius. Yeah, yeah, the line, and I, it's difficult for me to do it from the top of my head. I think I say something like, um, very similar to what you said, um, and it is, it's, everyone has a moment of doubt, are they being hypnotized or not? Yeah, I say the moment when you feel it's not working, and the moment you're about to wake up, is the moment when you find yourself going 100 times deeper, and you find yourself deeping down, down, down. Are you ready? Yep, now. And they actually feel it, because everyone goes, it's not working. And as, yeah, yeah. as you put that, I think a big thing with hypnosis, and it's a big belief of mine, is to build on as many natural thoughts and natural responses and turn them into what you are telling them. So if you see someone... Things that are definitely for real, that they're genuinely yeah, experiencing. Yeah, 100%. If you see someone that's leg is twitching, I would instantly put that in my induction. I was saying some of you might feel yourself moving on your chairs. Even if you find yourself going really, really deep, you might even find your right or maybe even your left leg starting to twitch. And that guy whose left leg's twitching will instantly be yours for the show. 
you have set a point there that you could go hold on this is that i've got i do something um in my hypnosis and i'll i'll, I'll teach it now um in my hypnosis show uh, um uh, in-house illusion it's a spot so our natural position for our hand if you take your hand and hold it up to the camera perfect keep it there right there that so i'm holding my hand flat you're not because your hand is there no no that's perfect keep it how it was because right. that is the natural position not there so right. if I take someone's hand and I say to someone and I hold their hand flat and I say, I just want you to relax, they will instantly go to that moment. As they do, I can build on that. Yeah. yeah. And instantly. So my response is normally my pattern with this would be something like this. I want you to go there. I want you to look part there, straight into the deepest middle of your hand. And as you do, you'll start to feel one of the fingers as it starts to want to twitch. And all I need is one finger to go. If one finger go, I will say one finger go. Yeah, and then as you feel the rest of them start to go more and more, and even if it's there, out in front of that, it doesn't yeah. have to be this. It, it has to because of the tendons. Yeah, yeah the tendons. So you have got yeah. a moment there with people that you can instantly go, yeah, I want you to take the hand, I want your finger, and all you do is relax. As you start to relax, you feel as the hand just wants to turn like a leaf in the winter as it goes for autumn, as it wants to close and close. Once at that point, you can go from there to there to the up in the air to anywhere you want because you have took a natural phenomenon yeah and turned it into a piece of hypnosis and for me the best hypnosis is if you take what people are really thinking you take a natural feeling that they've got yeah and you turn it into something their induction their belief in the hypnosis process will be so much stronger because you've actually told them you've told them what is happening mm-hmm you have told them what is happening. Very, very strong. Works so strong. I completely agree with you. Um, but going back to the that moment you doubt yourself, you wonder if you're being hypnotised phrase, I think it's also genius, not just because they will doubt themselves at yeah. some point or think, I don't feel like I'm hypnotised. But you decipher what's been said, you've effectively said... Don't bloody open your eyes or make sure you close them when I tell you to do. Do what I say, because otherwise you're going to look a complete and utter flipping idiot. And everyone will know it's you that screwed it up, not me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. You are saying that. And there's other points in, in the script or your script that you're saying that, aren't you? Even your old intelligence, imagination, concentration type line in at the start. You are saying to people, hypnosis would only work if you are clever will only work if you've got an intelligence. You only work if you've got an imagination. Because if you haven't, you're an idiot. And then hypnosis doesn't work, not because of me, because of you. And you're saying that to people. You're saying it to them as part of the script. Whatever script you do on any variables around that or any script you've got, I think you have to put disclaimers in. You have to say to your audience, um, if this isn't working, it's because you are not concentrating. That's it. I normally would get someone off of the stage before we've even started. Yeah, all the people come up. I never have a problem getting people up because I've set the right atmosphere before. I will probably go to one person. No, it's not for you, sir. Thanks a lot for coming down tonight. Yeah. Oh, why don't I? Not, not to. And that put everyone else would go, oh, well, hold on. He wants me. Oh, yeah, it's something special for me. I must be good for this. I can do no, this. I, 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 you definitely do do that because I've witnessed it myself when I was out there. And I was surprised because the person, and you did straight away send somebody back. And the irony of it is, I am bloody convinced, actually, if I recall, you actually sent two people back, right, at the start. Yeah. There were so many people, there wasn't there wasn't enough room on stage. 
And at the time, I thought to myself, why has he got rid of those two? I am convinced those two would be bloody stars. Now, I think you just had one of those nights where there were so many people, including sat on the front of the stage as well, that ultimately later on in the show, once you'd got rid of people off stage, you did end up, ironically, one of them went under in the audience. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Getting, and they did end up back up there. But I thought yeah. at the beginning, that's a bit, well, partly ballsy and partly a bit, why is he getting rid of them? Because they're so obviously one. They always get rid of one person at least, because I want everyone else to feel special. Excellent. Which is, yeah. They go, they go, oh, hold on. He wants me. Hold on. Rather than just everyone coming up on stage, you go, mm, yeah, not you, Tom. Thank you very, very much. Um, I might come to you a little bit later if I do. Um, just really listen to what I say at the start. Away you go back to your seat. Then you're set up to use them again if you want to. Everyone else on the stage goes, oh, hold on. Oh, right, hold on. He's chosen me. I need to concentrate. I need to do special with this. I need to pay attention. I need to do what I'm doing and do it properly. And I think that increases your hit rate. Mm. And there's another genius thing I saw you do, and it always makes me laugh as a hypnotist to sit there and see the way an audience perceive and react to things. Because I've always had this argument that stage hypnotist really hypnotises the audience, not the people on stage. Because the people on stage arguably are just given permission and excuse to make an idiot of themselves, and they've got the perfect excuse afterwards because they say, the hypnotist made me do it. Yeah. Whereas the audience come to believe everyone on stage is hypnotised. So arguably it's them that were brainwashing, conditioning. And they think these people are like zombies on stage. And that was illustrated to me crystal clear at your show where you turn, you've got the people on stage and there's a couple there that you've not gone back up to to do a reinduction to. Yeah. And you turn to the audience and say, ladies and gentlemen, watch this. I'm not even going to say a word. And then you turn around silently. You stared at this uh, lady that was on stage, didn't say a bloody word, and she go out of it. Yeah. Audience, way, that's bloody amazing. Because in the audience, he's out there thinking, they, they must think the person on stage can't bloody hear. Yeah. But of course they've heard you say, okay. well, I'm a- not going to say anything. So- yeah. Of course you are. You're giving them an instruction without speaking to them. They're listening to what your instruction is and following it. But the audience, what are you doing, though? The audience wants to see people do that. Yeah, I tell you what I don't like. You go and see a hypnosis show. Everyone sits in the chairs and no one drops to the floor. No one. The, the audience want to see that. They, they, they've heard, oh, yeah, I heard Sue went to the, the hypnosis show. And the guy just, like, just dropped to the floor. Oh, incredible. If you don't put that in the hypnosis show, it's a little bit like seeing Elvis without suspicious minds. Has to happen has to happen i agree but it's a very awkward area that with certainly in england now with the 1952 hypnotism act and the amendments of 1996 government review updated model conditions licensing act 2003 excuse me get a breath also tied in with the fact that that means because of the licensing act 2003 and the two the model conditions updated that they also make mention of standard duty of care and health and safety laws, Correct. which arguably means your wagon chaser that wants to claim you've hurt them, if you let them drop off the chairs or do drop backs and stuff, don't get me wrong, I still do drop backs, I still let them drop off the chairs. Um, 
but on instruction, I'll off mic, tell them now's the time to fall off the chair. So I will always have someone with me doing the show. Don't know mm. if you noticed. They're normally invisible. They're normally someone I'm training up, and that's how a lot of the guys, their job with me is to work with the health and safety. Remember? I think not, Joey was doing it that night. Might have been Joey Silver, yeah? Yeah, I think it was Joey that night, yeah. I make them part of the show. I do a few jokes with them at the start. But then afterwards, that is a well-oiled piece of routine in with them. Anything that I go, they're there to support ahead. I'm not having people drop. Of course, the image of someone dropping to the floor is there. No, it's, I've over 24 years yeah, of doing that show. I have never... I'm no, just to clarify, having seen the show, I wasn't intimating that Rodney doesn't do anything in a safe manner. I've seen it and he does. What I yeah. mean is in England... Yeah, yeah. Again, I think as long as... It's a, what, what's our job? Our job is illusionists, mystery entertainers. So if the... From the audience point, yes, it looks... Oh, wow. But really, I take zero risk or anything like that at all. I have got every little point in there that I know... Yeah, and even from the point of I've got a massive LED screen at the back, so when I stand behind them screen the chairs, I'm standing behind them chairs with them screens, and I put Joey or Chris or whoever I've used over the years to stand next to me to hold them chairs, because I don't want someone moving that chair back and smashing me 35 grand LED screen that I've got on stage. Everything is thought out. Everything is thought out in a complete every little moment. I push every chair together so there's no finger traps in between. Yeah, people say, oh, no, spread out, fill the chair. No way, block them chairs as tight as you can so no one can move, yeah, so that there's no gaps in between the chairs because if people work gap between their chairs, someone pushes chairs back, boom, there you go. Ah, my finger. It's not going to happen during my show. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen because I think about all these things and it comes from doing it from time and time again. And when we said that before about the chimpanzee, anyone can go up and do it, but you have to put all the work in and all the little bits and bobs that make it right and safe. It's really important to be right and safe. And anything I've got, like I have my own security staff at Chaplin's. We don't have lots of trouble, but I have them. I've got my bar staff. They will know if there's an issue. I've got signals like this. I will touch my eye. And when I touch my eye, that will be there's an issue of something happening in the audience, at the bar or someone around that needs to be kept an eye on. Yeah. I've got two fingers like that, and it will be someone doing something else that I need to look at. And all of my guys know what to do. That's at the House of Illusion or there. We've also got a code word, Mr. Sands. Um, and if you talk about last night, we had someone called Mr. Sands. That will mean we've got a major emergency, whether it's fire, whether there's a, a I'm not saying a death because we've never had one or something like that. We mention a Mr. Sands and every member of staff will be thinking the shit's hit the fan here somewhere. Yeah. So preparation again is what you. Yeah. yeah. Here's something for everyone because there's a lot of hypnotists on it. I'm yeah. Here. Um, we know we spoke about the hand before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm now going to get you to look just at my eyes. Mm-hmm. Because my eyes start to blink, your eyes will start to just uh, uh, blink, just like that. Um, and the more my eyes start to blink, the more I, your eyes will want to blink. Now. I'm going to stop now because you're a hypnotist. You know what I'm talking about. But your average person, yeah, yeah, your eyes are flickering and flickering and blinking now, yeah? yeah. If you watch the video back afterwards, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Reason that happens is it's a natural body response when you look in someone's eyes for their eyes to blink. That's where the old staring games comes. So the moment you mention blinking, yeah, they can't stop blinking. 
fact. No, I know I'm doing it more than I normally do now because I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fact. So what does that give you the perfect opportunity to? The perfect opportunity to start an induction. In my short spot, if I do a 10-minute hypnosis spot, I won't do a whole counting down, muscles relaxing. No time for that. I will literally look at your eyes and say, I want you to look at my eyes. As my eyes start to blink, your eyes will start to blink. As they start to blink more and more, there we go. Good, good, good. And I actually won't say the word blink until their eyes are blink. I will say, if you look into my eyes and you see your eyes will start to blink, and I will wait till they blink and then say blink. And they will go, oh, bloody hell, yeah, they are. Blink. And then what happens? The more you blink, the follow-up script will be, as I'm account from five down to zero, you'll find your eyelids, you find your eyelids starting to get heavier and more relaxed than they've ever done before. Well, of course they are, because you're blinking and blinking and blinking and blinking and blinking. Yeah? What's your natural response? Your eyes are gonna get tired and you might find them get a little bit watery. Of course they are, you're blinking and blinking and blinking. So we're gonna go down five, we're gonna go four, we're gonna go three and close your eyes and just close your eyes now, two, boom, into your routine, and there you've got your 10-minute hypnosis spot. I think it's original, I've never seen anyone do it before or teach that before um i've had quite a few people have asked me to put it out there and stuff like that i've never never taught that before anyway it's a good little piece of impromptu hypnosis that you can put into a routine if you're ever under the spot um another note i've got here is when are you going to write a book because ever since i saw the show when i saw when i we, well we mentioned several of the tricks today that i witnessed you use between the house of illusion and chaplains and you very kindly explained them but i'm sure there's other stuff you could put down into a book as well it's just i've, I've, I've just got this vision of of, of a saying not in black letters or, or, or red or whatever so it's not and then it says piper but you've got rodney james there and the r crossed out and dreams so it's saying it's not pipe dreams yeah bracket stuff that works in the real world yeah, where, 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 do you know what? I, I will write a book and I'd love to write a book one day. Um, I've always said I would write a book once I know enough stuff. Because uh, <laughs> I'm still learning the same as we all still are. And I think when I retire or when I stop doing it, then I would love to pass on everything that I've managed to learn over the last how many years? 44 years of my life, how old I am now. Um Now's not a bad time stuck in the house to write a book. So who knows? Who knows? I took notes. I've got loads of notes and loads of stuff I've done. I've been offered loads of times to put a DVD out or books and stuff like that. I've, I've, I don't know. I, I, I like. I don't mind educating. I don't like the idea of selling tricks. I've always put a big sentimental and emotional value on what I do um, and to say is a 25 quid DVD doesn't sorry it hasn't in the past been my priority and loads of people have offered me good money um, to go and do it and put something out there um, I'm not saying I never will, and maybe my mindset's changed a little bit more recently, but my mindset was I didn't think I knew enough. Um, and I don't know if something that I've took my whole life to learn and understand is right for me to sell it for 25 quid on a DVD that we watched once and left in a cupboard. 
when I'd rather share it with a group of people, mm-hmm. really value it and really enjoy it and really make value of it on individuals or groups rather than just go, is the latest thing that gets looked at and thrown away in a few weeks. I know the blink thing that I've just shown you there and the hand thing, everyone watching this will be interested in what it is. And I think it would be a nice little gift for people that it could have been something I put out on a DVD or put out. No, I'm not being funny. What with the hand idea, the blink and, and the phraseology we spoke about before, aside from the bloody wisdom of, you know, getting things right beforehand, you, you could have rung that information alone on a hour and 12 minutes. Perhaps. We've only got three minutes left. Uh, DVD and quite easily have charged 30, 40 quid and anyone with a functioning brain cell who went out and used it in the real world would actually see it's worth way more than that to anyone who actually goes out there and puts it to use in the show. Well, I'm not saying I won't. I used to think that. Maybe I will. Maybe maybe my, my mindset's changed a little bit more. My, my, my mindset was always when I gave up what I do, um, I'd maybe do something. Um, Sav's, Sav's a good friend of mine, um, magician, great magician and we've always always talked about oh shall I put this out and I've gone I think this bet I think it's better not to and your value is better by not doing that sometimes sometimes if you take I like it people knowing what I do but don't really know what I do and I think if they know too much about what I do I think the mystery's slightly gone I like it when people come over to House of Illusion and go oh hold on I wasn't expecting that or they come and see me perform and go, oh, I didn't realise you, you did that. As, right, OK. And I like that. I like that dynamic. When you come out, I know you said to me, I, I weren't expecting that. I thought House of Illusion was going to be this or that. And everyone who comes gets that same type of vibe. And I, I like that. I like that moment. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I will share what I do. I, have a, I had a great idea to put a book out of a diary of a leather-bound book that was a lovely little thing that was not loads of them and not a business more something that would be nice to share knowledge and pass on to people who was interested and that might be something i do that's a project that i've got notes on and stuff i constantly write notes and 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 put down here's, here's a good one i've got a, I've got a, a notebook well an online notebook that i put down facebook statuses that i would like to put that you would like to put is that because it's like goal setting to make it happen or just you'd like to put but you better not because you'd look bad bit of both bit of both <laughs> see you would put them you would put your status up you don't care yeah you would go yeah and you put yeah. i used to when i realized the importance of that i used to put stuff and then used to be a comma or like that so now if i ever have a, a thought that i'm not sure about i'd write it down put it in my notes mm-hmm. if i still think it's a good one the following morning I'll then put it up. If not, I don't put it up. See, I can get away with it, Lord, now that I'm tarnished as Mr. Bad Boy. It doesn't particularly matter. The Bad Boy hypnosis. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, know, sometimes it could just be because he's had one too many beers and decided it was a good (laughs) idea. But I can get away with it because they'll just go, oh, he's at it again. He's at it again. Yeah. Yeah. um, Rodney, thank you for your generosity of time, your generosity of content in the past hour because um well i didn't expect you to share 
the two, you know, the hand and the eye thing. Thank you. People are going to hopefully go to the links below this video, which will be the link to the video of the party that Rodney mentioned and his YouTube channel. Also, the link to the House of Illusion will be below us, as well as RJP group. Uh, so that then when you get the opportunity to get your discounted holiday, because they will be, to Spain when they go back on sale and you can fly again and get out of the house, seriously consider going to Salou. Um, yes, book some trips during the day and all that as well. But let me tell you, in terms of the evening, don't plan on doing too much because every night of the week I ended up back at the bloody chaplains. <laughs> it's like seven different, seven, eight different shows every night and the Super Bowl for the entire family until a certain point late at night when you probably want to send the kids off. You you will not do better. That, the House of Illusion, Salou Big Show, they are alone your reason to go to Salou. Nice weather, good food as well. Let me tell you now, this is my thing, and probably now is more important than ever. Mm -hmm. Our job as entertainers um, is to bring emotion, smiles. I think our job as entertainers now is more important than ever. More important than ever. So anyone who's watching this, who's an entertainer, a performer, or a hypnotist, or any type of um, involved in the show business, it's now our responsibility. People are worried. People yeah. are scared. Whatever reason it is, whether you believe it's this or that or whatever. It's our job now to go out there and keep people's minds off of worry. So whatever you do as a performer, try, and especially the bounce back. When this all finishes, there's going to be a big bounce back. Yeah, and yeah. we've all fallen. And it's not about how far you fall. It's about how good you bounce back. So entertainers, get ready to bounce back. Get ready. The moment they stop that lockdown, you're out there hitting it hard. Make sure the moment, the moment, the moment, your audience, whoever your audience is, whoever you public are, they will need you to bring back the smiles, bring back the entertainment, bring back the motion. What we do in Salou, I'll make you a promise. Come over and see us anytime, and I will give you one of the best holidays you've ever had. That's my promise to you all. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you very, very much for watching. Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. Thank you. Take care, dude. I'll tag Bye. you tomorrow morning when this goes live on Facebook. Lots of love from Salou, mate. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.